Hi, I'm Dr. Mona Noor. I am a mental health therapist, a professor, and a researcher, and I am obsessed with the human experience. I have been obsessed for as long as I can remember. And when I think back to a turning point of when this all started, it was when my parents actually emigrated from Egypt with $50 in their pockets. Literally, that's all they had. I have like mad respect for anybody that can emigrate to another country and learn a new language, customs and cultures and all those things. And so they did that. And they were coming from the Northeast when I was about a year old. And my dad was a urologist, he still is, and my mom had been looking through urology journals to see where they could move because that cold climate just wasn't going to cut it for them, if you can imagine, coming from like desert weather into that cold northeast U.S. And in one of these urology journals, there was this little town that was mentioned in there. And they were driving down Interstate 95 on the East Coast one time, one day, headed down to Florida, actually, just for a little trip. And they saw this sign on the side of the road, and there was this name of this town that was the same one my mom saw in this journal. And she said, let's take the exit sign. And so they did. And they found the nearest hospital, found out who's in charge there, and they said, hey, are you looking for a urologist still? And they said, yeah, actually in the history of this county, we've never had one. And they took the exit and they stayed. And we set up house there and that's where I grew up from the time I was about a year old. Now, what's interesting is that the other signs that they did not see, sadly, and the trigger warning, they were these giant billboards that said, this is Klan country, your home of the KKK. Some of them said, four Ks, home of the KKK, I don't even know what that means. But regardless, that's where they lived. And I have oftentimes big curly hair, sometimes straight hair. I have brown skin. I had big green eyes. I did not look like the people from that particular town, I can tell you that. And they let me know it. I would get asked the question, what are you? Which anybody who is ethnically ambiguous gets asked that question pretty often. And I have a smile on my face, but trust me, I wasn't smiling when people would ask me. It was one of the most loaded questions I've ever been asked. And what that led me to want to learn more of is to reclaim that question really from what am I to who am I as a person, not what am I as an object. And that has led to a lifelong journey for me. And so from that, I really felt disconnected from the people around me. I mean, I had friends. There were people who were nice to me. It's not like I was like off in the corner and had nobody around me. But I just felt like I was looking around and people were just doing this kind of life thing in a way that seemed so much easier than it was for me. I don't think that you necessarily have to come from a recent immigrant background, by the way, or be an immigrant to have had that experience before, but that was mine. And one of the places that I can first remember feeling like I really felt connected in so many different ways was actually in high school when I joined theater. And in the theater, I learned four different things. The first one is that I get to be myself. I didn't have to mask anymore. I could just be me. And isn't that so ironic, being in a theater and feeling most like yourself when you're playing a different character? But here's the key there. I was able to interpret a character through my voice, through my lens, through my lived experience, through my quirks, through my little interesting different ways that just make me a different, unique person, just like every individual has. And so I liked that. So the great irony is that playing a different character, I felt the most like I could be free in my self-expression. So that was one lesson.
The second thing that I noticed in the theater was that I made interpersonal relationships. I had one-on-one friendships I was making, sit backstage and run lines one-on-one with somebody. So I was making friends, just individual friends, people who would come to my home and break bread together. I think that's how you really know, right? And then the third thing that I noticed was that there was a sense of community. There was a sense of all of us were doing something together on stage, and we all had each other's backs, right? So if somebody missed a line, then other people would come in and help you out. Nobody falls alone. Like, we all fall together or we all come up together. And so there was this sense of community in a way that I had never felt before. It was unconditional. It was rooted in deep respect. It was rooted in fun. And we were all doing something that we really felt passionately about. So we had shared values. And then the fourth and final observation was that when we were on that stage performing, it felt like we were doing something that was bigger than us. This was a high school theater, but to us, like we were doing something really big. We looked out there and we might not know everybody in the audience, but we knew that collectively we were moving them in some way. And that experience really down the road is what informed what we're doing here today in terms of this podcast. It informed what I now call belonging. It was noticing that connection happens in more ways than one. It's not just about community. There's connection within our own selves. There's connection in one-on-one relationships. There's connection in a group of people that gather together. And then there's connection to something that just feels bigger than us in some way. And I went on from there to really try to become some things that I wasn't necessarily in my particular culture. It's really understood that success is measured by becoming either a doctor or an engineer. And I was not going to be either one of those things. I had no interest in that. So I ended up in the financial services industry and people were backstabbing one another. And I really didn't have any interest in that either. And so by a series of happenstance, I ended up in the mental health world. I actually got a D in psychology in undergraduate. So it was ironic that I ended up later on getting master's and PhD in counseling and becoming a mental health therapist. But along the way throughout there, I was hearing stories from people. And those stories, even though people didn't necessarily look like me, they were describing situations that felt so similar to the ones that I had when I was growing up. One of the things that I ask people is, tell me about your experiences in the cafeteria and tell me about your experiences with sleepovers. And those two things really can tell you a lot about your own sense of belonging. And it did about me too. And it does when I work with people professionally as clients in the mental health field about what kind of connections they had in their lives. And so I ended up doing some research on bicultural identity and something called identity integration. But out of that, what I learned is that so much of our identity construction is informed by how connected we feel in these four different areas that are the same four areas that I noticed when I was in the theater. And it's about how much do I feel seen and embraced and celebrated by myself? How much do I feel seen, embraced, and celebrated in my interpersonal one-on-one connections and relationships with people in my communities? And then also like this connection to something that's bigger than us. And that can be spiritual for some people, but it can also just be a macro system. Like how much do I feel connected to my country or to this world or to the state that I live in? 
So those ended up becoming, in my research, the four different types of belonging. And one of the things I'm hoping is that in this podcast, you get to hear about how these different types of belonging impact our human experience. That's this really complex and nuanced thing that we're all doing that no matter how different we all are, the one thing that we have in common is that we're trying to do this life thing. And this is what my life has become now, is really interested in helping people learn how to create those different layers of connection in their lives. Because as much as of a loner as I was when I was a kid, I can remember literally sitting in my room and feeling so frustrated, hitting my head on the wall, which I used to be so embarrassed of, but it was just a sign of my loneliness and frustration with it. But one of the things that I've learned and that I hope to share in this podcast is how we can all really create connection for ourselves by naming the spaces where we don't feel it. And I'm excited to share that with all of you. You're hearing from some phenomenal guests. Sometimes life just brings you so much joy and luck. Right? And I feel like I've gotten so lucky with the people that I've met. And also I've crafted this connection with some amazing people and they're going to be joining the podcast and they're going to be talking about their experiences and where they've had these belonging gaps. And we're going to name across these four different areas and even where these four areas intersect with one another. We're going to be naming them and how our identities come into play there. I'll give you an example. So for me, I feel a tremendous amount of self-belonging. Of course, there's always a journey to that, right? But that means that belonging I define as being seen, embraced, and celebrated across these four different systems that I just talked about are life spaces. And for me, I've worked really hard on seeing, celebrating, embracing myself in terms of knowing my quirks and loving myself through them and honoring myself with boundaries. That's a way to celebrate yourself in, in all kinds of different ways. And I'm fortunate enough to have a partner who's done the same thing. So for me, I feel a tremendous amount of self-belonging, but I also feel interpersonal belonging with my partner. But then when the two of us go out in community together, because I'm in an interracial relationship, oftentimes we don't feel a sense of connection with the community communities that we find ourselves in. So that would be an example of something that we might explore in this podcast. And it's going to be a journey that I'm excited to be taking with you. And I hope that you get a lot from it. We're going to be meeting with folks who talk about belonging while Black, belonging while Black and queer, belonging while neurodivergent, belonging in workplace trauma. That's so prevalent right now, by the way. Belonging in interracial relationships, belonging in talking politics with family members who might have different views than you do, belonging and setting boundaries with folks, which is something that, oh, I can't tell you how much that comes up for so many of us when we have a lot of people coming at us at one time. We're going to be talking about a wide array of things, pretty much anything that you can think of in terms of life areas. We're going to be addressing it in this podcast. So I'm looking forward to being here with all of you, and I thank you for being here. And you can get this podcast every Thursday. It's going to be coming to you. Wherever you get your podcast, you're going to be right here where you belong. <laughs>